reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we've got our first mailbag of the 2022 season. It's a victory mailbag. Um... We've got a lot of good, a lot of just like personnel questions. Like this is kind of like going to be more of like a player by player kind of breakdown of, of what we think of them right now through one game. Um, as the season goes along, we get mad about things and we just, I just start going on rants on the mailbag pod. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner. Hello. Still can't believe it. One to know. Uh, I'm back home in the state of New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, the greatest state um, in the world. It's the greatest Don't state care. in New Jersey. Don't care. What you have to say about Florida? I'm going to a Giants game this Sunday, the first one that I'm that I'll be going to in a long time. So I'm really, really excited for that. Um, I'm gonna announce it right now. We haven't announced it yet on social media. I'm going with Ethan. I am taking Ethan to the home opener from the NYG uh, weekly show. So um, let's get into this mailbag, Bobby Skinner. I'm excited for the questions that we got coming up. Um, happy for you too. All right, let's. Uh, but <laughs> Thank no, you. first, but first, this episode was brought to you. By Nick Gardino. Ooh. Gardino. Sean Rahman reminds me of the tackle out of UCLA who moved to guard. Nick Gervera. Jack Bagley. I'm going to just do everything in an Italian accent. Yes, Frankie please. Brown. Frankie is a, is, is a low-key great name. James Murname. Murname, not Murname. His name is Murname, not Murname. My Alex name is Martin, Murnane. my favorite Martian. Keith Gelman. Nick uh, Marchionda. Just John. Which is how my old boss's number is saved in my phone. Just J O N. CeeLo Guns. Um, really? Justin pisses me off. He's going to see some guns. George M. Jeff. My name is Jeff. Josh Turner. Joe Schlosser. Schlosser. And Anthony Zaro. Justin, who are these people? Can't believe Josh Turner of the Dodgers. Subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Remember when I used to say backslash like a freaking loser? Not a loser anymore because the Giants are winners. Patreon.com slash TalkerGiants, $2 a month plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets in the mail. And then also, you have the chance twice a month to be entered in the shirt raffles. We just dropped two awesome shirts this week. Run the damn ball because it's run the damn ball 2022. The Giants officially had a more efficient game on an EPA basis running the ball than they did throwing the ball, which usually even when you run the ball well, it's still not more efficient than throwing the ball. But nope, it was this game. And then Day Balls of Steel is the second shirt that we dropped where if you've seen South Park, Bobby, you could probably describe it better than I can. It's a great shirt. Just check it out. Talking, Just Google Talking Giants merch and a pop well, You want to get right into it. Yeah, let's get into this mailbag. Um, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Dear 
Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Alright, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Owen Kane at Owen Kane 12. I'm going to take this one first and answer it, but here's the question. Based on some of the film I saw on Evan Neal, it looked like he would get beat up, then reset, and would shut down the guy. What are your thoughts on his progress so far after this game? Bobby, I edited your offensive line report this morning, and the thing that stuck out to me most about Evan Neal and I think the reason why he's going to have a good rookie season, I think we were expecting him to have maybe like a great rookie season, like an above, like a really above average rookie season. I think he's going to have a good rookie season. I think he's going to have some struggles, and you're going to talk about that. But I think what's going to save Evan Neal this year is just his insane arm length, his insane length overall, and his grown man strength. The fact that he just has all that from day one – I'm confident that the rest will eventually follow. What do you think? His length and overall strength is definitely is helping. I didn't mean to rhyme that. Um, and there's been improvement from training camp. So I broke it down uh, in the O-line report. He's done. He's having trouble adjusting to this Bobby Johnson. We're not going to vertical set. We're going to be aggressive with our pass pro. And, and it's to just kind of break it down in simple terms is think about, you know, pass blocking in a straight line back or almost, you know, an 85 degree angle and then doing it at a 45 degree angle. They're being more aggressive with it. And he's just not getting to his landmarks, getting to the spot uh, in his pass set where he wants to on time. But where the improvement has come from training camp, in training camp he was having that same issue, but his feet weren't going and, and guys were getting around the corner on him. In this game, again, some get some good pass rushers from the Tennessee Titans – his feet were going. So he these reps were not pretty, but he was getting uh, the, the a good result at the end of most of them, you know, being able to wash guys around. So he's going to have some rookie struggles, and he's going to have some bad games. There's going to be some games this year where he, he's bad, you know, like he gave up one pressure and zero sacks in this game. That's good results, um, but it wasn't overall like a good game if you just judge him against every tackle in the NFL. Better than Akema Kwanu and Charles Cross, who both gave up two sacks. But you know what? I think Evan Neal will have a game where he has two sacks, you know, so... Don't take the victory lap yet uh, Yet on that. Um, but he's just having a hard time getting to a spot on those 45 sets. Um, but, again, his his foot speed is good enough, and that, that length of, you know, just his pure size and strength is helping him win the war, even though he loses the battle uh, a good amount of times. Yeah, you pointed it out here and there, but I was just wa- – I, I was watching Evan Neal and just looking at how long his arms are and – Especially considering Andrew Thomas. So I think Andrew Thomas is pretty long arms too, but I think Evan Neal... Thomas's even, are longer, but but Neal's just a bigger human. Yeah, yeah, man. So even like when they're standing next to each other, Evan Neal just kind of towers over Andrew Thomas. So uh, I think that is going to be a huge advantage for Evan Neal this year, even though there may be some elements of his game that are a little bit behind. And I do trust that eventually, I think he's, like, I think he's looked more comfortable now and week one than like the first second week of training camp right oh absolutely again he's he's moving his feet through the blocks you know he may not be getting there on time but he's moving his feet through the blocks and that is that is good improvement from when we were pretty worried about like his like him being yeah. just flat out bad 
during training camp when we were, you know, we spent a lot of time watching him in training camp. And there was times where he just looked really bad and he wasn't moving his feet through the blocks. He just wasn't getting out of his stance in training camp. That was yeah. an issue too. So the, the thing I'm a little worried about that could be long term is, you know, he though he's had the balance issue that showed up in the run game a, a little bit, and that can show up in the pass pro as well. He he is top heavy. Like that's something we talked about in his draft profile, his player profile projection, and and now you know that's not something that just showed up. Like that's something, but he's just he's got to get more confident. And we saw it with Andrew Thomas and his growth. You know, Thomas you know grew confidence his rookie year, his set you know, and then last year was a, a very confident player, and then now he's just dominant. Um, he's got to grow confidence in what he's doing because he's not getting to his sets on time, and it's, it's, he's leaning and lunging. Uh, his feet are crossing up at times because he's worried about getting beat around the corner. So he's just got to, he's got to figure it out. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna take time. So give him time to figure it out. But I, I, I 100% believe that Evan Neal will figure it out. Yeah. Um, we'll see if the Panthers have a specific edge rusher that they like to set up on a certain side. We have Brian Burns and Yitor Grossmatos uh, next week. So hopefully, uh, Andrew Thomas is taking the brunt um, of Brian Burns. And hey, we'll have uh, Evan Neal going up against Yitor Grossmatos, who's kind of gross, not in a good way. Yeah. So Tom, uh, Neal's Neal's got some stuff to work through, but overall, I think you should. It was a, it was an encouraging game week one, but there was some. I mean, there was some ugly reps in there like there yeah. were some really ugly reps in there that evan neal had like if if he was a fourth year player we would have been we wouldn't have been happy with his performance and when we're talking about the run blocking uh, i want to talk about you know why, why do you think the left side of the line had way more success than the right side of the line too but i want to save that for uh we have a run blocking question here with bobby johnson but next question uh big blue season at big blue season underscore speculation on why tony isn't being played as much as he should so this actually hasn't been talked about as much as I thought it would we be. We won. If we lost, it would be the only thing that's being talked about. Yeah. Um. And and Daniel Jones' game would have been under more critique if we had lost. Yes. So obviously, there's a lot of unknown with this right now. Um. Side note. Once again, can the beat reporters get us any info on this? Please, for the love of God, get us some information on this. I feel you're back in the locker room. I feel like this should be an e this should be an easy one to figure out. I feel like they are though. Well, they haven't told us anything. I mean, they're. I feel like they're dropping. At they're least taking, they're, they're taking. They're They're dropping hints off of press conferences. Well, I think they're also dropping hints based off of that. This is the second regime that's treating him the but same. That's way. just con. That's context clues. But figure okay. out what. Figure. Give us concrete stuff, not just like, you know, like like we can make those same observations from the outside in. Um, so there's been a few arguments on it and, and I also, we talked about it after Sunday and uh, I want to make sure people know, like there's, this is more than just, he didn't practice a ton. It, it ha there's no way because if it's just, Oh, the playbook, well, Tony was at all of camp and he practiced fully the last two weeks. He practiced fully the first week and a half, you know, he was out there with the team, you know, it's like even like Sterling Shepard before he came back from pup. It's not like he was sitting with the team during practice. He was just on a side field running, getting work at rehab workouts in. Um, you know, obviously Shepard's a totally different player, so it's, it's it's comparing apples to oranges with that. But they didn't only play him seven snaps and four passing plays because of playbook issues. Because if you can't coach a guy up to know twenty plays, <laughs> then you're a bad coach. So that's not the reason. Because they, you know, like Kadarius Tony knows 
at least some of the playbook. Like it's it's not it's not rocket science or rocket appliances, as Rookie would say. So there there's just more to that. And again, it's we're not talking about a scrub player like Kadarius Tony is essentially the biggest weapon as a wide receiver. He is the biggest weapon as a wide receiver on this team. Kenny Galladay played bad. Uh, Sterling Shepard had a great moment, but we all know Kadarius Tony's a bigger weapon weapon than those guys. So I'm I don't know exactly what it is, but both sides just need to figure this out. Okay, because Kadarius Tony's too much of a talent for the to, to go to waste. And I think they're I know that Tony's not easy to deal with. I know he's not. Both sides. And Kadarius Tony. Like, get with it, man. You know, we talked about this uh you know, when he, he when he missed OTAs and people are like, Oh, it's not it's not mandatory. It's like that stuff matters. Okay, so if you don't think stuff like that is having a, a part in what's going on right now. It is right now. And obviously, you know, missing camp does have some to do with it, but it's not a re- it's not the reason he play only played seven snaps. So basically what my thing is it's like they just figure it out. Because if this turns into a dick measuring contest, man, nobody wins. And it's gonna it's gonna lead to an ugly divorce, and that's not a win. That's not a, that will not be a win for either side. I think the Giants are the biggest losers out of all of them, right? Out of everybody, Kadarius Tony is still going to collect his first round player contract. Uh, you know, when it's all said and done, right? If he's still on the team, the Giants Week One did not have a good passing offense. Numbers wise, it was bad. Efficiency wise, it was bad. Yeah, Daniel Jones completes. A lot of his passes, and you know, you have the explosive play in there. But if it's not for Saquon Barkley, this is a really, really bad game. And in, and in every single Sunday, to rely on your running game like that to produce explosive plays, yes, yeah, Saquon Barkley can do it if he's back in that 2018, you know, mindset and player. But I don't want to rely on that. This is uh, we have Brian, we have Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. I don't want to be relying on the running game being the thing that's going to carry us game in and game out in today's NFL in the year 2022. So Kadarius Tony, I think, is that player that takes this average, below average passing offense to, wow, the playbook opens up. And even if you just want to use him, manufacture targets. Did we not see that all, what, three of his touches, two of his touches sure. that he had this past Sunday, that they were manufactured and one of them should have been a you know, a, a loss of five yards, but he turned it into a positive game of four. There was a 19-yard rushing play as well. I, I mean, come on. Like, even if it's just manufactured stuff and you and 15 snaps and you want to take him, take him out, I still feel the, feel like that changes this offense. So if the Giants want to prove, like, this point, and Peter King earlier this summer said uh, when he was talking about the new regime and Joe Shane and Brian Dable and the Giants – that it feels like 90 guys, or at this point, I guess it's 53 guys, 63 guys, including the practice squad. Everybody is on audition. Everybody is trying to earn their spot with this new regime because it's clear with Logan Ryan. It's clear with Blake Martinez. It is clear not picking up Daniel Jones's fifth year option. It is clear that your place on this team, even if you are somewhat an established player, it is not given. And Kadarius Toney being a first round pick, that is also not given, but I simply disagree with it because I think the team needs them. Yeah, and again, I, like I said, Darius Tony can fix all of this by what whatever's going on. We're, we're, I'm, I'm not going to make assumptions, um, but again, uh, it helps. It, it, the team is better if he plays more snaps. Yeah, that's that's a, a that's a there's you can't dispute that. You cannot dispute that, and it's not because of the playbook. Uh, you know, he's not he's not mentally challenged. Okay. 
He he can handle more than four passing plays uh, in a game. Okay, and again, when people bring up the regime last year, well, that's a that was a knock on the regime. Is that because once they were finally forced to play him, do just because the numbers uh, on the roster because of injuries, it was like, oh yeah, maybe we should play this guy a ton because he came out like he even made a couple plays in that Falcons game when they didn't want to play him. The New Orleans he balls, the Cowboys game he balls, the Rams game he's balls for a series and then gets hurt. So. Um, you know, like there, I wasn't, my argument wasn't like he needs to be out there for 85% of the snaps, but seven is insane. Right. Um, so, right. and again, if they're, if, if they're going to pr- trying to prove a point, that's, I'm okay. But you can't, this can't go on throughout the whole season is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know. And unless we hear that there is something health wise going on, then I, it's sh- not though. It's not it's because not. you have, you can't, it's in season. You can't not put stuff on the injury report, even if you're a full participant pit, part, pin in practice. You just can't do it. Like it's it's enforced. Like you'll but there's get still fined a lot of people and, that will trouble if you don't. But there's still a lot of people that are thinking that, oh well, they're just trying to do the load management thing with Tony. I don't. I don't think that's it. There is no. something else happening. Load management would be 18 snaps, not seven. There is something happening behind the scenes that we yep. don't fully know with Kadarius Tony and the Giants. There is something happening. Yep, I, I I agree with that hundred percent. So I just want this to be worked out. You know, I, I'm not taking sides on this. I just want this to be worked out. And part of being a coach is handling personalities. Yeah. Um, and they're not always going to be the easiest people to deal with. You know, and and this is a team that has a bunch of guys who are easy. And to you're deal making with. yourself worse. That's the thing. Like, uh, again, don't know what Canary's happens. Tony can run a slant. He can run a dig. He can don't, run an out route. Don't you know? know what happened with Blake Martinez. You intentionally made yourself worse by releasing him. There's no denying that. Logan Ryan, different story, but you still intentionally made a very weak secondary worse by releasing him. So, uh, like you said, figure it out. But you can make arguments like those guys aren't here for the long term. But Kadarius Tony should be a huge piece going forward. Yes. Yes. You know, so. Um, let me read an ad and then we'll oh, go read to an the ad. next question. Yeah, please. The NFL's opening week was action-packed. And it's just getting started, people. It really was action-packed. Get ready for week two of touchdowns. Big plays and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, you bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. How about that? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBOY, J-O-M-B-O-Y. To get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code JOMBOY. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Justin, next question. Next question. Primortality at Primortality1. Do you think this win should change our expectations about the season, or was it the Giants overachieving for a week? I don't think it was necessarily overachieving because I didn't, you know, it wasn't some like, you know, it, like fluke game. Like the offense felt like, you know, like I'm not saying Saquon's going to do it every week, but like, if anything, I expect the passing game to be better going forward. Um, the defense, yes. here's what I'll say. Out of good teams that we could have played, 
I do think the Tennessee Titans were about as good as a matchup as you could have found. Uh, one, they were just dedicated. They're dedicated to the run game. And Wink Martindale, uh, he stacked the box all, you know, all, you know, almost all game long. You know, uh, let's see. Uh, on he, he stacked the box on 36 out of 56 snaps and a lot of those snaps still had like seven eight guys in the box but they'd bring two tight they'd run 22 personnel with two tight ends and a fullback you know so he just they would match it and just you know and flow to the side that the fullback would go so they stacked the box all game that played into the giants defense's hand and did you feel you like know, the titans were trying to force the run when it wasn't there and they should yes. throwing the ball more and and they had a bad wide receiver group too you know, but they were still moving the ball well, effectively they, through the air. But they, but they weren't able to be consistent with it. They got good chunk play. So that's my thing. Is I think defense, offensively, the Giants off will be better. So that could be the argument that you know maybe raise your expectations a little bit. But defensively, this was this was a pretty good matchup. That being said, we might have some good matchups going forward. You know. Dak Prescott going down is significant. Like we're yeah. a better team than the Cowboys without Dak Prescott and Tyron Smith. Dude, I don't, I I still Cooper, I Rush, still Cooper Rush was our fourth string quarterback in 2020, and and then we cut him. Well, I mean, you're talking about team. Um, I still think the Cowboys have a better team because I mean their defense is. But their good. quarterback is going to be so bad. Well, right. That's that's the thing. That's why quarterback is so important. That I would still you know, pick the Giants to win because of the quarterback situation. Um, this Panther game worries me, man, and we'll, we'll talk oh, yeah. about it. I think the Panthers are a tough are a tougher matchup than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I, I don't think the Panthers are going to be so committal to the run like the Titans were, and I also think the Panthers are, you know, maybe... They have a good wide receiver group, and I think McCaffrey is a worse matchup for our defense than Derrick Henry. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, who, who killed, who really killed... Uh, uh, the Giants more than Derrick Henry in the running back room was Hilliard, and that was him in the receiving game, right? You know, catching those two touchdowns. And Christian McCaffrey um, is certainly known for catching the football out, out of that backfield as well. But even the wide receivers, like you said, we'll talk about it during the Panther preview. And, you know, I'm sure Bobby, whoever has up a sleeve to interview, is going to give you more of a, a good look at those guys than than I do, than I will right now. But it, it's, it's tough because uh, right now, even though the Titans – you know they they didn't consistently throw the ball well, but the Giants the Giants pass defense according to DVOA, which is basically just an efficiency metric, they have them ranked thirty first after one week, which to me just based off of my eye test, like that makes sense because the Titans were moving the ball well through the air when they actually wanted to commit to throwing the ball. Yeah, I mean they got big they got big chunk plays. They got a lot of chunk plays in that yeah. game. And you can make an argument that Baker is an upgrade over Tannehill. And uh, I wouldn't say that. You can make it but argument. But the wide receivers are I, I wouldn't make that argument off, but the wide receivers are significantly better. I don't think the system, I think Ben McAdoo's offense is worse than, you know, what they got cooking with Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. Um Yeah. I don't want to guess but here's my thing though, where it's like you get excited, is I think the Panthers are the toughest matchup in the next three weeks. Sure. But I mean, two and a half. So, so here's the question: Do you think we should change our expectations about the season? I'm going to change my expectations about the season if we can defeat the Carolina Panthers at home when we are two and a half point favorites. Home opener, your favorite, your your favorite to win. You're coming off a a tough, gritty win where you were five and a half point underdogs on the road, right? Get better offensively this week. Hopefully, we get some guys back, which we're going to talk about next. Um. 
and let's win this game. Like that would be the, I'm now going to start to rethink of changing my expectations for this year, which really my expectations for this year was eight wins anyway. So I guess I'm not going to change it, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to believe it a lot more. Um, yeah. Daniel Jones has to be better for, you know, because Daniel Jones didn't have a a great game, but I I do expect Daniel Jones to be better than what he was. Yeah. I don't care about completion percentage. I care about sustaining drives and I care about scoring points and I care about big plays. So if we can have more than 120 plus yard passing play, um, and really the only other two passing plays that we had a 15 plus yards, Bobby, it was a garbage time. It was like a, a garbage time, whether it's third and longs or it was at the end of the first half. So really, that passing offense was not very good, and it, and it does need to be better. And I trust that it will be better at home. Yeah, Daniel and, Jones is yeah. a better – this is not saying he's a franchise quarterback, but he's a better quarterback than what we saw in week one. Yeah, offense line has to hold up too. Like that was a huge part of Daniel Jones's yeah. game where Daniel Jones was still super, super pressured. Um, so that offense line has to hold up too. I don't think we'll, – we'll, again, Panther preview, we'll talk about it. All right, next question. Um this gets to expectations about the season. Chris at Life NYG, how much better do you think this defense gets when Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari return? It's got him. Wink Martindale called. He didn't do what people expected. You know, they blitzed uh, like 31% of the time, but almost all of those blitzes came on that last drive of the game, which, I where love. They, just, which they started blitzing. Um, you know, uh, they ran a lot of cover three, cover one type of stuff. They didn't, you know, they didn't run any cover, like real cover zeros. Um, you know, they showed some looks. Uh, you know, they weren't in a ton of man. They, you know, cover three turns into man coverage. So they did some different stuff. You know, it wasn't what you would fully expect out of uh, Wink Martindale. But that being said, they couldn't get any pass rush. Even when they did blitz, they couldn't get pass rush. You know, there was, you know, our, 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 our edge and D lineman got four QB hits and zero sacks. I'm not counting Ryan Tannehill being tackled at the line of scrimmage as a sack on the sideline. Um, you know, and like I saw, like, oh, Shane Simmons had a, a high PFF grade. I watched him, like, or pass rush grade. I was like, I don't see it. Like, he had the one QB hit that was nice, but at, besides that, like, he didn't, he didn't do much. Um, you know, Jihad Ward, Jihad Ward played really well in the run game. Really well in the run. Yeah, game. I tried hyping him up during uh, uh during Monday show, and you you were kind of dismissing it a little bit. It's just so hard to see twenty five guys in a game where it's like you know. Well, it, I saw it. Screw you. Um, but I'm I'm gonna clip I'm gonna clip his stuff up. He did play, but he didn't add anything as a pass rusher. Yeah. In fact, they would drop him back a lot. Leonard Williams didn't dominate the way that he should have. Dexter Lawrence was their best pass rusher. Like like Dexter I think he Lawrence got two QB hits. Yeah, he was their best pass rusher by far on Sunday like not even no one was even close to doing what he did um and do you guys remember Dexter Lawrence just dominating in the pass rush game no so yeah Kayvon and Aziz man they're gonna make a, a huge impact I, I'm 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 not putting huge expectations on Kayvon he didn't like ball in the against backups in the preseason but Aziz looks like he's taking a step forward and we saw Aziz put up good production last year um, so I think Aziz would make a, a huge difference, and he fits what this scheme does better, and it's, I think it's going to play to his strengths better than the last, uh, the last defense. I so, do want to put some lofty expectations on those two, if you know, if and when on they Aziz, come back. But, but I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not expecting like look at the tackles, the look at the tackles on the offensive linemen that we have coming up the next three weeks, Bobby. Look at them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just mean like for the whole year. Like I'm okay. not expecting right. Kayvon to dominate week in week out as a rookie. Um, and then, so like we came into the game talking about how bad Nicholas Petit Ferrer, um, 
Like he was not good. At, he was not a, like a like a really good tackle in college. You know who the only rookie tackle who started a game to not give up a QB hit or a sack this week? Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Okay, that's how bad our edge presence was. Um, so for him to not give up pressure is, is crazy. So yeah, I, I do think these guys make a a, a significant difference Huge. because there was no there was no pass rush there, and that makes a, a big deal. You know, the middle of the field was open for the Titans all game long when they were in zone because they were able to get do play action and just Ryan Tannehill was able to sit there in the pocket with no pressure. There was no pressure on him almost all game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything that we hear from NFL people or, you know, everything that we hear from former people that have covered the AFC that talk about Wink Martindale or they cover the Ravens is that Wink Martindale is one of the few defensive coordinators in the NFL that is going to dictate how the game is played on defense instead of the other way around, where Patrick Graham was very much, I'm going to let the offense dictate what they want to do, and the, and I'm going to expect my defense to adjust. I think that's kind of what the Giants personnel was last year, but Wink Martindale wants to take it to you, and he kind of wasn't able to because just of that lack of front seven talent um, that they had that they had last week. So hopefully yes. they make it back. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm longing to watch those guys because it was – you know, watching the edge players in the pass rush game, it's like this is might be the most boring. Like I, I'd, I like give me Kyler Fackrell or something. Like that, <laughs> it, was, it was brutal to watch. Next question: Tobias Cole Magna at Tobias underscore zero seven zero nine. Do you think Josh Azudu improving enough in the second half to merit a start against Carolina, or should Ben Bredesen rotate with him while Azudu learns the ropes? Here's the thing. Ben Bredesen sucked, too. But, but I don't think Bred- he sucked as bad as Azudu. No, he didn't, at, at least in the past uh, past blocking game. Um, now, part of me is like, so here's the thing, is going against Jeffrey Simmons sucks because he's he's awesome, man. He's like, you watch it, like you When you watch him for a full game, it's like, this guy's amazing. Um, you know, probably a top three defensive tackle in the NFL. But Azudu's stuff was much more than Jeffrey Simmons being a beast. I even talked with, uh, you know, like the the Bills are playing the Titans, and I talked with the Cover One guys today, and they brought it up like un un unprovoked. They're like Josh Azudu, oh my god, like he was he wasn't just bad because he was getting beat. Like he his hand usage was absolutely garbage. He was overextending himself, off balance, uh, being too aggressive and then too passive. He just looks like a mess, man. And I just don't think that's going to improve by playing. I think that the things he needs to work on are going to improve on him working individually as an offensive lineman and not uh, game planning. You know, I talked about it with Danny on Sunday that NFL coaching isn't the best coaching in, in the world. It's the best game plan in the world. That's what they do. They aren't, they honestly, they're, you know, you talk to players and, for the most part, position coaches lack coaching up players at playing their spot. But what they do is they prepare you for the opponent. That's the elite coaching you get at the NFL level. Um, so I just think Azuda needs to work on his game, man. Like, uh, and we could talk about him in the run game in a second. But the pass blocking, it it blows up drop. It blows up an offense. You know, like that that fumble on Daniel Jones. That was that's that's stuff you can't have. Okay, that was going to be a nice 18-yard chunk play. Daniel Jones did a great job manipulating a defender. He was going to make a tight window throw. David Sills was going to get the first, his first catch. And nope, it's a strip sack. 
Um, and and just to like to put up like, well, how bad is this? Is pass blocking? Shane Lemieux never had a game even anywhere near as bad as this as a rookie. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That I mean, Shane Lemieux gets a lot of flack now because he, you know, oh, because he's not a good pass blocker, not a good pass blocker. You know, and, and Azudu gets love because he's the new toy and he's athletic. And yeah, he did make some plays in the run game. But I mean, this is how games are tanked. I mean, it literally caused a turnover and, you know, causing any kind of turnovers on this Giants offense is not good. So um, I'm with you, man. Uh, I, I am adamant, adamant that Josh Azudu cannot really play. I mean, if there's a drive where I don't I don't really want to Joe judge it where I guess we're going to put in this guard because he's a good run blocker and we want to run the ball this series. I don't want it to be like that. Oh, I kind of hate that. I know. And, and that's like what they were doing with Bredesen and Azudu. They were doing it. They were kind of Joe judging it for a hot sec where Bredesen was playing some series. Azudu was playing yeah, some series. They rotated series. five times. And I think that was the plan. I, 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 I don't think that was they, the plan. I don't think they looked at, uh, you know, Ben Bredesen after that first series says, yikes, you're not good. And then they just kept flipping back and forth. So clearly was the plan. I, I don't I don't fully love that. So I almost would like to see Devery Hamilton there. Um but yeah, it's just and again, this is I want him to sit, not because I don't believe in him, but because I want to I want to give him the best opportunity to be a good player eventually. You know, we like I think that's the best for his long uh, term development. Like Shane the Muse rookie struggles, playing will help help improve those. With Azudu playing, I just don't think it's gonna help. Like he's got real issues, and you don't want to destroy a dude's confidence. Um, yeah, you know. So I just I think he needs. But that all with all that said, he did look good in the run game. You know, like he, you see the athleticism, the ability to move and flip his hips, um, get like to the, the second level. The first touchdown. Oh, pancake and, the dude, and then the two point conversion. I mean, the, those those two things don't happen without Josh Azudu making some some pretty good blocks. So. Yeah, so it's it's a question of of how much do you value that, um, you know. But I just I just think what's best for him long term is to not play right now. Yeah, it I, sucks I, Shane Lemieux out. It really does suck that Shane Lemieux injured. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. All right, so before we get to the next question, we got to talk about athletic greens and AG one. I started taking AG one because I wanted better gut health i wanted more energy i gotta tell you what i didn't bring now ag1 and athletic greens they do offer travel packs and bad guy move on me i did not take any of my travel pack size ag1 products with me to start off my day just pour a cup of water and i can you know put a scoop of ag1 right in there i didn't take anything with me so my energy is kind of low right now and i need this energy because bobby and i were grinding it's the first week of football so we're putting out all this content for you i wanted to optimize my immune system and i wanted to get more healthy in general so what is this stuff it's the one thing with the best things, Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Recommended for by professional athletes. For every purchase, we donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry in the U.S. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com giants. Again, that is athleticgreens.com giants. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
All right, next question. Next question is Dylan Davis at underscore the Dylan Davis underscore. What were your thoughts on the Giants linebackers this game? So we just talked about a rookie not being ready to play. I think Michael McFadden should play. He got Boom. some reps on Sunday. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about Tay Crowder because Tay Crowder is going to play going forward regardless of, of if Michael McFadden plays. Um, he was put in some tough spots in coverage. So if you look at his coverage stats, it's not going to be good. But he also had some bad moments in coverage too. Um, you know, not IDing some stuff right away. In the run game, I thought he was he was fairly well. Like he made some good he made some good plays in the run game. He wasn't every game, uh, every play, but again, playing like he did his rookie year in a gap responsibility scheme where it's like, hey, play your gap and go. He looked a lot better than he did last year. Like I will say that. Like there was significant uh, improvement in the run game compared to last year. But Austin Kalitra looks bad, man. He just uh, he got he looks worse in coverage. He did not uh, fulfill his gap responsibility on some plays. Um, and even when he's just, like, playing downhill, man, he doesn't have the power. Like, he just – he doesn't have the power to blow things up, you know, and he doesn't have the the speed. Um, you know, he's – I think he has a bad plan of attack taking on blocks. And, again, this guy's a 28-year-old journeyman. He's barely played in the NFL. He's been on practice squads galore. You know, he was signed in training camp, and we thought nothing of it. We didn't even make a tweet when we signed this guy. Uh, so – I think it's time for Mike McFadden. He had some good reps. He showed some instincts and aggression. And again, it's it's we're talking about we're comparing him to Austin Kalitra. We're not ta- we're not saying just ah oh, just play the young guy. I think Mike McFadden should play. Yeah, I'm, I get a lot more excited about seeing Mike McFadden play than Austin Kalitra. Uh, I'll be honest, Bobby Skinner. <laughs> and I think McFadden would be a, a significant upgrading coverage. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's really saying much, but I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if we want to do the whole play, you know, play play the kids type of thing, Mike McFadden is prime for that. Like he play, like he plays fast, loose, and aggressive. Let him come out there, play on this Wink Martindale defense. They need some pass rush help. He's the linebacker that's going to give you that best pass rush ability. Um, you know, so we could see that. Uh, you know, the 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 hit that Tay Crowder had on Derrick Henry. Watch, go watch Micah McFadden on that play. He does a great job seeing his gap, shooting it, and dipping around. Like if. Tay Crowder actually uh, filled his gap. He didn't. He didn't get over the block on time against Taylor Lewan, but he's still able to make the big hit. If he did, if he got to his gap on time on that play, Taylor, uh, Michael McFadden would have had a tackle for loss because Derrick Henry would have had to go uh, to the play side on that instead of cutting back. So, I, I and I I think the Giants probably are like. I don't think this is one of those things where it's like we just want where for four weeks we're asking for Michael McFadden. I do think the Giants will realize this, like and play him. Maybe not fully starting every snap next week, but I think there'll be more of a snap share next week than there was last week. Yeah, I agree. I I totally agree with that. All right, next question: Michael Luisi at Michael Luisi thirteen. I think by the end of this season, Andrew Thomas will deserve to be looked at as the OT1 from his draft class, and as one of the single best tackles in football. Is that heavily biased, or do you think that's a realistic expectation for him? It is absolutely not biased, and it is realistic, and we are here. He is so good, man. He really is good. Maybe it's, we're not, we haven't had awesome players in a long time, so we don't know how to act. Uh, around them but he is awesome man 
he made Bud Dupree look like a bad pass rusher on Sunday. Like Bud Dupree, and, and you know they were doing the analytics on how fast Bud Dupree's get off is. He looked like a bad play. He looked like a bad football player. He looked like O'Shane Zimenez when he was facing Andrew Thomas. Oh, it was brutal. Um, you know, and so I was like, okay, well, what about the rest of the league? It's not about just being Bud Dupree. Well, guess what? He was top ten in all pass blocking stats last year on bum ankles. Not not one ankle on bum ankles. Rayshon Slater was an All Pro last year. Andrew Thomas is better than him, and so the 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 tackles who are the best in pass blocking efficiency, which is you know formulating your sacks, pressures, and QB hits, uh, and dividing it by snaps. Andrew Thomas was ranked ninth in the NFL last year. Five of the guys ahead of him were right tackles. One of them's retired, and Andrew Whitworth, and then Tyron Smith, who's injured. That leaves as the top two left tackles in the NFL right now. Trent top, Williams. Trent Williams and Andrew Thomas in pass blocking efficiency. He's here. And he looks better than last year. And that those are numbers from last year. And he looks better. And he looked good. He, now, here's the thing where you can't pump the brakes a little bit. He was good in the run game on, on Sunday. I want to see more dominant reps. Uh, we saw some really good reps. But his rookie year, man, we saw some dominant run reps. Part of that was the scheme. They were playing, you know, inside ga- a lot of gaps inside the tackle stuff um, and playing next to Shane Lemieux, who, you know, th- those guys work together really well in the run game. So want to see some more of that. But this is a passing league. This guy belongs in the Pro Bowl getting all pro votes. I'm not going to sit here and say he needs to be the uh, all pro tackle, but he deserves votes. Um, he's real deal. And again, it has... The reason he doesn't get talked about a lot is because he played on a bad team the first two years. Now he's on a great team with the Giants going undefeated. And the fact that his rookie year was a struggle. Like, I, you know what pisses me off more than anything? People have been like, Thomas wasn't bad last year. He, he he improved a lot. No. Kiss my ass. He was awesome last year. He was better than all those other young tackles that you guys like to hype up. And just because he doesn't want to train with your facility doesn't mean he doesn't deserve the hype. That's part of it, too. So Andrew Thomas runs his own race. He stays quiet. He does his job. Man, he's awesome. And again, I have the numbers to back it up. It's it's time for him to start getting respect around the league. And I'm gonna every single week I'm gonna share his stuff. And I'm gonna say share for share to spread awareness. You know, I, I hate when people say spread awareness because like what do you like? What does awareness do? No, we need to spread awareness on who Andrew Thomas is. Yeah, especially when you were breaking down his independent hand usage which i think he actually didn't he talk about that in the interview with us that that's that's one of the things that he wants to improve on but it's just something it it looks like high level tackle shit when he's like using his one hand to set up leverage on where he wants a defender to go and where he wants an edge rusher to go he's extending a guy with like a stem in a in the middle of a pass rush move and then getting both hands back on it you know you broke it down it's sophisticated tackle shit that we haven't seen from Andrew Thomas yet which means that he's getting better he's you know he literally told us you know in that big black sexy van that he wants to get better at it and then lo and behold boom we saw it week one um he got better at it so um another side Solid test next week against Brian Burns, and then you know wherever in the world Micah Parsons lines up, you got Sam Williams. Please against- give us Andrew Thomas versus Micah Parsons. I want it so badly. <laughs> I want it so badly. Well, be careful what you wish for there, Bobby Skinner. But I would like to see it too, just as a just as a football fan, because that would be that would be really cool. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm really pumped for AT, really pumped for Andrew Thomas, and um, keep those ankles healthy, bud. Let's do it. Next question. Tucker Cherry, at Tucker underscore Cherry. After week one, how are we feeling about Aaron Robinson's outlook on the season? I'll say this. I think we got a new corner to worry about with this New York Giants defense. Aaron Robinson, he, he looked solid. Like, he wasn't a great game. But, you know, he was targeted four times, allowed two completions for 28 yards. He had a pass breakup on a third down that was really good. I, I went through that on the film review. Yeah, pro football reference had him on the hook for five targets, two completions, 28 yards. Um, only nine yards after the catch, which I which I like to see, and only 19 air yards, which now, is Now, he cool. did get beat on that deep throw of the Traylon Burks where the safety, you know, but they did have – Jeremy McKinney came over the top, so – but he – that probably should have been called pass interference. Aaron um, Robinson but, is going to get beat on deep balls this year, but it's just going to be a matter a, of he, no. The, here, no, let me finish though. It's going to be a matter of can he finish and make a play on the football if it's not a perfectly placed football, and can Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, can a safety come over over the top and make a play on the football? I mean, I think Aaron Robinson is going to get beat by the deep ball, but it's just a matter of can somebody make a play on the football, and then how many times is it going to happen per game? Yeah, it was. I mean, again, we were playing some a bad, a bad overall wide receiver core. Adore Jackson actually did follow Robert Woods. Like even one time, Adore uh, Robert Woods lined up at running back, and Adore Jackson's in the box over top of him. Um, so I, I don't. I'm not going to overreact to Aaron Robinson's performance, but it was a solid performance, you know. I, I, but I'm not overreacting to that. Here's the thing: you should react to. We talk about fitting a scheme. Darnay Holmes does not fit this scheme. Ah. Uh, he was targeted seven times, gave up four completions for 53 yards. He had two bad penalties on third down. Not ticky-tack, ugly penalties. There was other plays where the the ball went to the other side, and it's like Darnay got burnt on this. Um, he gave up 53 yards. There's four In his career, he's done, he's given up more than that four times. Two of those were in his first three games in, in, uh, in his rookie year in 2020. One of them was last year. Um, and again, that was this is against a this that was against Kyle Phillips, who was a fifth round rookie out of UCLA. Uh, he does not. We talked about it. Oh, it's happening. I was sneezing. Um, we we talked about in this player profile projection about how like Darnay is a solid player in the last scheme, and but this he doesn't fit this man, and he's got to improve fast because it was a. Uh, it was bad and it was worrisome. Yes. So this I question wasn't about Aaron uh, Darnay Holmes, but I, I had to get that. I mean, watching him was not fun this week, man. And we like Darnay, but it, I just he he might be like number one target by Giants fans by week six. No, and, because- I, and I think it's a shame that Flot. I think is I, I think he looks worse at this point. Um, you know, we, we talked about in our camp battles episode, you know, you, you picked Darnay, um, I, I picked Cordo Flott, and it kind of was a reflection on how I just felt about Darnay Holmes in this system in particular. I think Darnay Holmes is a starting caliber corner, just not in this Wink Martindale system. I just don't think it's going to fully work out. Yeah, it's just, yeah, they want to play man coverage, man, and he just does not fit in that. And you saw... In the beginning of last year, you know, when Patrick Graham was trying to play more man coverage, they were phasing out Darnay, um, you know, because they wanted to play more man coverage. So uh, I feel for the guy, but it's uh, it's um, it, it hasn't been great. All right, let me read an ad and we'll 
We'll finish this podcast off with a couple last questions. Siegel Law Firm is a New York City-based personal injury and civil rights law firm. What separates them? They truly care about their clients. Care. They have what they like to call a Jerry Maguire type approach, where the primary concern is extreme client attention. That means clear, regular communications with clients, keep you updated on your case, and providing assistance with medical providers and insurance issues. Have you seen Jerry Maguire? We've read this out a few times. Have you seen Jerry Maguire? No, I have not. Uh, I've only seen two movies in my life. I know Show Me the Money is a line in it, and we live in a cynical world. I think that's also a line in the movie. Dude. Watch Jerry Maguire. They hire the right experts and put every case in the best chance to succeed. They treat clients like family and have incredible client satisfaction as a result. A lot of firms say this. They actually do it. They do. Treating clients like family is just one of their core values. And every decision they make is run through their core values. I really appreciate that. The misconception that you cannot afford a lawyer is not true. There is no cost to consult Siegel Law Firm and no out-of-pocket cost when they handle your case. You don't pay anything until we recover for you, and we then share a percentage of that recovery. There is nothing to lose. Do not disqualify your case for no reason. Give Siegel Law Firm a call at 646-810-3337 or visit them at siegel-lawfirm.com to get legal support you need. That's S-E-G-A-L dash lawfirm.com you'll be glad you did you'll be glad you did all right we got two questions left bobby at go dogs at glock underscore roach underscore what are your thoughts on bobby johnson and the run game there's more effort on getting outside the tackles a lot of pinning you know down blocks and pulling guys um i think they're gonna try and take advantage of the athleticism of the offensive line overall. Like, Azuda's really athletic. Thomas is athletic. Lewinsky's athletic. Neil's athletic for his size. Feliciano's not, but putting him at, you know, he looked, he looked good when he was pulling, and, and they did pull him a little bit. So, I, I, I think they need to get better, a little better between the tackles, but they, they, they look fine. Like, the run game, obviously they did. Saquon balled, and, and the run game gave him holes, you know, so it's the best, uh, run game they have and it's staying diverse you know the bills the bills lost bobby johnson obviously and added aaron cromer they have focused on you know just being a zone uh running scheme you know where one of the critiques of bobby johnson and dable is they were they were they didn't have like an identity to the run game so they're going to stay diverse with it um but you know felt really good about it week one like they they gave they gave saquon space man there were some other plays of saquon by the way too that there, that toss play, where it's like that might have been his best cut of the entire day. Like he really is like, oh my gosh! Like you kind of did forget how freaking amazing this guy was when he was right. Two things I want to talk about. There was a big discrepancy on left hand side and right hand side. One game sample size, so we'll continue. We'll see if this continues to go in this direction. Left hand side, when when the ball went to the left, eight carries, 140 yards, touchdown, seven and seventeen and a half yards per carry. And then when the ball went to the right side, when it was run to the right side with Saquon Barkley, 10 carries, 24 yards, 2.4 yards per carry as well. Something that I thought was very, very interesting and I loved, 10 out of Saquon Barkley's 18 rushing attempts came from out of the shotgun. And I love that. And I really think that was attributed to when you look at that number. I know you don't like this next-gen number, but 
5% of Saquon Barkley's runs had eight or more men in the box. That is a very, very low rate. Um, and I think that's attributed to Brian, Mike Kafka, Brian Dable. They like to spread out the field. They're running out of the shotgun. They're keeping things unpredictable. Um, so for week one, those are some trends that I like. But maybe the balance between the left hand and the right hand side, why, why do you think that happened? Um, I think it's just as simple as Thomas and Azudu block better. Sure. Evan Neal had some bad running reps. Glowinski didn't uh, overly impress. Um, like I, I think it's really just that simple. It's Thomas, Thomas and Azudu block better, and 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 they and they ran some and they just ran some of their their tosses and and design outside runs were to the left as well too. Um, you know, like the the one play that went outside the tackles on the right was when Saquon bounced it for 15 yards. Um, and and again, like Evan Neal, you know, I talked about in the Oilers report, had two bad down blocks and it allowed, you know, uh, tackles for loss. So that, that comes into it too. I think it was just simply just players playing better. Yeah. No, but just watching your O-line report and then watching the, you know, the film overall, huge breath of fresh air to see linemen moving and how getting those linemen moving creates space for Saquon Barkley. You that's know? why teams want to run outside the tackles. Yeah, and that's why you draft. That's why that you know teams are are moving towards just drafting more athletic. Josh Azudu, who's a project, but you know he, he is athletic. So um, you know, you even know. there was one play where was this the thirty-three yarder where Glowinski and Daniel Bellinger had to like make a decision on who was yes. going to get who and who was going to get a hat going on fast at 100 miles per hour if you're going to make a mistake do it quick do it at, at 100 miles an hour and that's what they did get in front of somebody you know you don't need to you know blow anybody up but just get in front of somebody and saquon barkley is gonna especially when he's as, as explosive as he's looking right now he's gonna get past you quick so um the way that they approach the running game this week i think it totally fits saquon barkley's strengths uh, even though Saquon Barkley didn't really pop anything from out of the shotgun, I think on an efficiency basis, Saquon Barkley is more effective running out of the shotgun than an un- than under the center in the long run. Um, and I think that's it's been that way for his entire career because there's less likely that you're going to have a stacked box when you're running out of the shotgun than you are under center. So I'm really excited for this rushing offense and when they choose to run the ball. Um, run the damn well. ball. Run the damn ball. By the shirts. All right, last question, Justin. Mosi Madelon. How have the route trees changed since last year, and are the wide receivers creating more separation than last year? Quite significantly, they are different than last year. Where last year, it was very much uh, ice routes that were isolated and were based on timing and doing everything at, at perfect timing and pre-snap. Um, there's more long developing plays um, in this offense. There's a lot of guys clearing out space. You know, like they ran stick a, a few times, but it was a lo- it was different than the Jason Garrett stick. They had guys clearing out space. Um, they're working off of each other, where it, you know, if it, uh, it puts a defender in conflict, you know, where it's like, hey, this guy's covering this zone. Well, guess what? We're gonna put two people in this area, and that guy's gonna have to make a choice, and we're gonna throw the other way. Um, you know, so there's that. You you see some uh, stuff from you actually do see some stuff from 
uh, DJ's rookie year as far as concepts. Like, we didn't see sm- a smash concept, which is just basically like one high, one low, one side read. Um, we didn't see any of that the last two years. We saw it a ton his rookie year. That's back in this offense. Um, so there's that. And and the check down, they, the check downs are in the middle of the field. That's something we talk about where Daniel Jones is better at getting to his check downs in the middle of the field. Now, maybe watching the game last week, it's like, Maybe flare it out so he's not so eager to get to it. Uh, but we've always talked about when, when especially his rookie year, um, you know, you, there's not really you don't throw the checkdowns too much in the Jason Garrett offense. But his rookie year, it's like he just struggled to get us to, to checkdowns, except for when Caden Smith came in and was kind of like that checkdown outlet. So uh, that's how it's changed. You got anything else to add to that before we get out of here? In terms of uh, wide receivers creating separation. Um... I don't love looking at wide receiver separation stats. I guess we'll we'll look at that more as we get more of a sample size. But a metric that I love looking at um, on NFL Next Gen is aggressiveness percentage, which that basically measures how often is a quarterback throwing into tight windows. So, Bobby, from this past week, Daniel Jones had the third lowest aggressiveness percentage with 4.8. So 4.8% of Daniel Jones's passing attempts were considered tight window throws. I want you to guess last year, Bobby. So he was third, fourth, fifth, sixth in the NFL last year in the highest number of tight yeah. window throws. What do you think that percentage was? 45%? No, wait, 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 way lower. I'll let it that out. So it was 18%. 18, 18%. Um, so that's almost one out of every five passing attempts where Daniel Jones is, you know, the next-gen data, the player tracking data is considering that it is a, a tight window throw. So um, that's quite an improvement right there, right? And it also leads to yards after the catch, which hopefully we will get more uh, as, as kind of the weeks go on as well. Yards after the catch and not having guys that are just so on top of you having guys that you're actually throwing to that are open is quite helpful. So, again, excited to see how this passing offense can progress and how Daniel Jones can progress within it as well. All right, that's an episode. We'll be back Friday for a game preview. Very excited. Interview Danny King. You guys can all apologize to Danny King for doubting his weather reports. Um, So we appreciate you guys. Uh, We'll see you on Friday. Hope you enjoyed this. Tell your friends. Until then, let's go Big Blue.